of the past fall show brought to you by johnpiele.com by st alwish's church and school in jackson new jersey by two ways one passion food truck located in scranton pennsylvania always glad to be with you to discuss a handful of things going on in the world of baseball sports and unifying america so first of all i want to throw out a shout to anybody that is listening to the past ball show through spotify or amazon music a couple more platforms we've added so many different ways you can catch out the check out the PBS. Just search Passball Show, whether it's Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, just check the internet. Any uh, you know, you type in John Pielli or the Passball Show. Um, any of the five hundred twelve now episodes of the PBS you could check out. Uh, best thing I could say about it is we got transcripts. So every single show that I've done has got a paragraph a solid paragraph of everything that i discuss as we talk about baseball sports and unifying america so a couple things we're going to hit up today um i don't ever consider this a new york centric show i'm a mets fan and i accept that but i don't spend a lot of time talking about new york sports whether they there is hot topics coming on in this region this is a national show it's not a regional show but we will spend a little bit of time talking about the new york football jets and something that I feel is coming, and it's not what most Jets fans expect to be coming. So I want to make sure we prepare the Jets fan for something that may not necessarily be going away for a while. 2020 has been a tough year for baseball Hall of Famers. Joe Morgan passed away. Putting the number up to now six great baseball Hall of Famers that we lost in a year of 2020. I've done a little research and we're going to talk about other years that have been as prominent as far as losing so many baseball Hall of Famers. But the first thing that I have to talk about, and this is probably a main talking point of the show, it's kind of the go-to, one of the things that we bring up many different times on the show. And unfortunately, as the years are going to go by, we're going to bring it up time and time again. It's the role of a Major League Baseball manager that many people just don't understand. The role has changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years. A Major League Baseball front office is dictating what is happening on the field. A manager has a couple different responsibilities, and that's to, and that's to do different things, implement the plan of the game that's given to them by a Major League Baseball front office and their analytics staff. It's not to do all the different things that John Q. Baseball fan believes that they're doing. And what's kind of bothering me, and it's been bothering me over the last series of years, is the fact that most people just don't understand this. And all they're doing is embarrassing themselves. Yeah, they're rage enraging me a little bit, and they're getting me mad because they won't stop talking about this. They won't stop their voices They won't stop speaking about this topic. And it's frustrating. A manager, the role of a Major League Baseball manager 
is to implement the game plan that comes from the front office, that comes from the analytics staff. It's not to write the lineup. So when you're out there bitching about the lineup that you don't like, you're showing that you don't understand what's going on in a game of baseball right now, and you are embarrassing yourself. When you're blaming a manager for taking out a pitcher or putting in a pitcher or deciding to start Davey Garcia in game two of the American League Division Series against the Tampa Bay Rays and taking him out after the first inning, it was not Aaron Boone's call. You're blaming Dave Roberts for the use of a bullpen that he has no control over. And you're embarrassing yourself. You look stupid in my Brandon Huff voice. You're starting to look stupid. You've been looking stupid for a while. You're going to continue to embarrass yourself every time you bring up a manager. Whether you're calling out Joe Girardi because the Phillies had a losing season. A losing season that, by the way, wasn't that much different than what they had in Gabe Kapler in the last two years. You can talk about Gabe Kapler and how bad of a manager he was. The Phillies didn't get better results with a different person behind the bench. You know why? Because the manager's not the one pulling the string. The manager's not the one assembling the lineup. The manager is not the one that is deciding which pitchers are coming in at different times. There's different levels of experience when it comes to managers, but they're not making decisions anymore. They have a couple roles. They're to be the guidance counselor. They're to make the players come in and want to play for them. That's their responsibility. If the players quit on the manager, then that's something the manager can lose their job for. The manager's responsibility is to implement the game plan that comes from the front office. And a manager may lose his job because he's not listening to the front office. The problem is going to continue to exist, unfortunately. Baseball fans are still not going to understand this. And I don't know. Maybe that's one of the reasons that God put me on this earth. To remind John Q. Baseball fan that a Major League Baseball manager does not make the decisions that you give them credit for. When you blame them for the lineup, when you blame them for the use of a pitcher, whether a pitcher's coming out, going in, any of the X's and O's that happen over the course of a Major League Baseball game, once again, you're embarrassing yourself. You look as if you don't understand anything about the game of Major League Baseball right now. You look stupid. So when you're blaming Aaron Boone for taking out Davey Garcia, after one inning of game two of the American League Division Series, when something happens and the first thing you do is mention the manager, whether it's Joe Girardi, whether it's Luis Rojas, whether it's Aaron Boone, whether it's former Red Sox manager Ron Renneke, as they're looking for a new manager, it might very well be Alex Cora coming back after a year suspension. Excuse me. When you go out there and you blame the manager, you're showing that you have very little baseball intellect. You're showing that maybe sports isn't for you. Maybe you should go worry about something else like politics or locker room talk or, you know, discussion that you have around a coffee machine about people. Maybe that's what you should get into. Maybe baseball is not for you. If you don't understand that a major league baseball manager does not make the decisions that you blame them for. When you're out there and you want to blame Kevin Cash, or you want to say Kevin Cash is a great manager because he doesn't make bad decisions. He doesn't make any decisions. He happens to have good players 
and a good front office and a good analytics staff that's making good decisions for him. So give credit to the Tampa Bay Rays as an organization. They didn't need Joe Madden there. Kevin Cash had no managerial experience when he got the job. He didn't just wake up and all of a sudden become a great manager. The Rays have a system in place that's coming from the top, dictating a game plan and the usage of that roster, and it's working to perfection right now. And you may say that Kevin Cash is a great manager. Well, he's the one that benefits the most from the work that's done by that front office in Tampa Bay. And you may want to say the same thing about the Atlanta Braves. Brian Snicker. Five years ago, if you said he was available to be hired by any Major League Baseball team, nobody would hire him. But he looks pretty good because he's in Atlanta right now, and they're a couple breaks away from getting into the World Series for the first time since 1999. And Brian Snicker isn't the reincarnation of Bobby Cox. He is not the next Miller Huggins. The Braves have a system in place led by that front office and that analytic staff that dictates to Brian Snicker what the Atlanta Braves do. And if you're mad at Dave Roberts or if you're mad at Dusty Baker because their teams happen to be losing league championship series right now, you're embarrassing yourself because you don't know a thing about baseball. This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights, granted by the World Wide Web and the Solar Fair Entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPielli.com and JohnPielli LLC, is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charge and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So I promise I'd talk a little Jets. Le'Veon Bell, released by the New York Jets. We know that Bell's signing by then New York Jets general manager Mike McCagnin was not something that was fully endorsed by current head coach Adam Gase. And to say that Adam Gase may have had or may have some say in Bell's usage with the New York football Jets it's probably an understatement. Le'Veon Bell, listen, he's probably not hidden from controversy. You go back the last couple of years, this is a guy who refused to play under the franchise tag with the Pittsburgh Steelers and chose to sit out a full season, forfeiting his entire pay to get that big guaranteed contract that he was seeking. He deserved it from his performance in years past. He got it with the New York Jets. Is he a model citizen? Is he the perfect employee as a player on a football team? I'm not so sure. But one thing you can tell is that Le'Veon Bell has not gotten a ton of a chance to exude his powers, his ability, and what he can contribute on a football field as a player. You know he's a dynamic running back. You know he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He has not, over the last year and a half, as the Jets have played football, been a focal point of that New York Jets offense. And some of it probably can be blamed on the coaching. 
you want to blame some of it on the fact that Le'Veon Bell maybe has lost a step? Maybe that year being away from the National Football League and not playing that last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers may have hurt him a little bit. Maybe he's not as quick, as agile, as dominant of a force as he was before that. The Jets are going to move on without him. And Le'Veon Bell will pick pick up with some team. Somebody will sign him. A team that can use some help at the running back position. And maybe somebody that looks back and says, hey, if we use Le'Veon Bell in a way that he was used when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe he becomes an RB1 for us down the road. But the thing I did want to talk about is the fact that this move, and I know the Jets and Mike and um, Joe Douglas, the new general manager, probably did everything they could to try to trade Le'Veon Bell. Now, his contract is pretty tough for a team to pick up unless you're going to slide some salary and maybe have another contract that is as lucrative as as Le'Veon Bell's going the other way. It was probably something that was not going to happen. A trade to work out a deal probably just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't in the plans that the Jets were going to be able to trade Le'Veon Bell. So they make the tough decision. And remember, Joe Douglas the general manager of the Jets now is not the one that signed Le'Veon Bell. So maybe maybe he doesn't see a role for Le'Veon Bell in this Jets offense. Adam Gase obviously doesn't. But what this signifies is the power that the New York Jets head coach has right now. And the fact that this power may not necessarily be going away anytime soon. You heard me a couple weeks ago talking about things that have to happen for a head coach to be fired in the National Football League. Bill O'Brien lost his job as the general manager and head coach of the Houston Texans. It was a little bit of a surprise. I didn't expect to see that happen in season. And then you saw Dan Quinn with the Atlanta Falcons in it. And it's something the Falcons not winning a game and blowing a couple more leads It was something that was inevitable and probably the best decision going forward for the Falcons is to trade head coaches. But what the Jets seemingly are looking to do is not what most fans think that they're going to do. It's not what most of New York City thinks that they're going to do. It's not what the media of New York City expects them to do. The release of Le'Veon Bell, I think, is a backing of the coach. And may, listen, maybe the Jets could go 0-16 or 0-16 and not fire their head coach. This is an investment that the owner has made in this guy. And if I'm the New York Jets, I'm thinking that Adam Gase is a major part of this football organization. He somehow... Has the owner bought into what he's looking to do? You look at the Jets over the last couple seasons, particularly this year where they have yet to win a game. It doesn't look like what he's doing is working. I can see it. You can see it. Jets fans can see it. Anybody that covers sports for New York can see it. I think the Le'Veon Bell release is another endorsement for the head coach, Adam Gase, who I really do think is calling the shots in that organization. 
And listen, I've been proven wrong before. And maybe the Jets lose this week and then Adam Gase is fired and I will kind of walk back my words and say, hey, I was wrong. Wouldn't be the first time I was wrong. But if I'm a New York Jets fan, which I'm not, I'd be very concerned that Adam Gase isn't going anywhere. And there's no fans showing up at MetLife Stadium to boo him. There's no fans that are showing up at the stadium to put up banners that say Gase must go. There's not going to be any pressure from anybody that's watching the game on the field. Now, I would think, if I'm Chris Johnson, if I'm Joe Douglas, that the head coach should be amongst those that are being evaluated as the season's going on. At some point, we should see Adam Gase's plan of what he's going to do as that offensive mind that we've heard that he was. Peyton Manning. He was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos. It's just Peyton Manning needed an offensive coordinator to be as good as he is and as good as he was. How long are you going to be able to live off of that? Well, it got the guy two NFL head coaching jobs and might have gotten him an opportunity to run an organization, an entire team in the New York Jets. And he may be the last one standing. He got the general manager fired. He got the top player, the all pro running back, released. You wonder how much power this coach actually has. And is he really calling the shots? Is it Joe Douglas? Or is that Adam Gase that's calling the shots in New York City with the Jets? Now, I'd be remiss today if I didn't bring up the passing of Joe Morgan. Great, great second baseman. And I rank him number two all time as far as second baseman behind Rogers Hornsby. There's been some discussion. You hear people as well. Call this the concluding point of the passball show, johnpielli.com, St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Two ways, one passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, to cuckoo clock, the whole thing. And maybe I'll wait all day for this cuckoo clock to end. It's still going to beep. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. Cuckoo, cuckoo, finally. So, you know, Joe Morgan, great, great teammate. And you hear about the Reds and how much he was that glue type of player. The acquisition from the Houston Astros really made that big red machine what it was. And he was an underrated broadcaster. Weird because John Miller and Joe Morgan, Sunday Night Baseball, took so much criticism for so many years about not being a good broadcast team. And Morgan in particular was not. I didn't necessarily have a problem with Joe Morgan as a broadcaster. I thought he was pretty good. And I watched many Sunday nights of Major League Baseball on ESPN and had no problem with John Miller and Joe Morgan as a broadcast team. But let's not admit let's let's not make like this this guy wasn't under a ton of criticism. All of a sudden 
these fans talk about, hey, back when Sunday Night Baseball was great. Well, when this was actually happening and John Miller and Joe Morgan were the broadcast team, you were out there criticizing John Miller and Joe Morgan every Sunday night. So now you look at it and Joe Morgan's past, it's a shame. Maybe you feel like you can't say anything bad about somebody that's not with you anymore. But what do you really feel? Do you feel bad because Joe Morgan's no longer with us? Or have you rethought your thinking process when it comes to how good of a broadcaster Joe Morgan was? Because I thought he gave pretty good insight. I thought he understood the game. I thought he definitely saw it from the player standpoint. He would give some a very tough opinions sometimes. And I thought that broadcast was worth watching. You probably didn't, but just feel bad that Joe Morgan's passed away. Now, that's neither here nor there. We know we've lost Whitey Ford. We lost Bob Gibson. We lost Lou Brock, Tom Seaver. And early on in the year, we lost Al Kaline. I mean, it's six Baseball Hall of Famers have passed away in the year of 2020. And I was doing some research and actually spent a little part of last night going over every single player, executive, pioneer, manager, every single person in Baseball Hall of Fame, in the Baseball Hall of Fame that has passed away and what year they passed away. Because to lose six Hall of Famers in one year seems like a lot. And it's not like they're, we're talking about borderline guys. We're talking about great Hall of Famers. And you know, maybe a little bit of an oxymoron. It may be one of those things where you say, well, if somebody's in a Hall of Fame, they have to be great. But, you know, there's the Rabbit Marinvilles. There's the Tony Perez's. There's the Ray Shocks. There's the players that were good but not great. You know, you could talk about some players that you look at their accomplishments and you start to wonder, well, were they really as much of a Hall of Famer as they ended up being? Once somebody's in, you can't take them out. But to lose Al Kaline and Tom Seaver and Lou Brock and Whitey Ford and Bob Gibson and Joe Morgan all in the same year, it's, it's a hell of a loss for Major League Baseball. So the only year that Major League Baseball has lost more Hall of Famers was 1972, where they lost seven. And one of them, of course, was on the last day of the year, and he was not in a Hall of Fame yet. We're talking about, of course, the great Roberto Clemente. Another one was Jackie Robinson. You know about the famous speech he gave at Crossley Field exactly nine days before he passed away in 1972. Five other players, including Zach Wheat, passed away that year. Dave Bancroft. And if I'm quick enough, I could pull my tweet up and give you the others that passed away that year. And we're going to try. We're trying not to waste too much time. We're almost there. We tweeted it out yesterday. So, Roberto Clemente, Jackie Robinson, Zach Wheat, Gabby Harnett, Pie Trainer, Dave Bancroft, 
and George Weiss. And of course, George Weiss, the executive, the pioneer. Seven baseball Hall of Famers passed away in 1972. So in the history of baseball from 1922 to 2020, which is exactly 98 years, there's only been six calendar years where a baseball Hall of Famer has not passed away. 1936, 1945, 1949, 1957, 2004, and 2008. The first Baseball Hall of Famer to pass away was in 1882. Now, there was no Baseball Hall of Fame in 1882. In fact, 1882 was 54 years before there would actually be a Baseball Hall of Fame. The first selection of the initial five in Baseball Hall of Fame was announced in 1936. The first ceremony was handled in 1939. So William Holbert was a baseball pioneer. He passed away in 1882. He was inducted into Baseball Hall of Fame 113 years later in 1995. So he was dead for 113 years and he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, something that at the time that he died or before he died or any time during his life, he didn't even know anything about thought there was a little bit of irony in there. So there was a total of, I believe, six different years. I'm sorry, 10 different years where the Baseball Hall of Fame has lost exactly five members. It was 1993, 1989, 1984, 1978, 1975, 71, 65, 54, 51, and 48. They've lost six members of the Baseball Hall of Fame this year. And remember, Frank Robinson, who passed away in 2019, died towards the end of that year. So it very well could have been seven. And you hope, as we sit here in the month of October, we could get through November, December, and you think of all the greats that have played in Major League Baseball and have been part of the game and all of its living Baseball Hall of Famers. Maybe say a prayer for now and hope that we could go some time without losing any more members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Because Lord knows, any year where we lose Al Kaline and Tom Seaver and Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and Whitey Ford and Joe Morgan all in the same year, a hell of a loss for a great, great sport. A little bit of a recap of the show today, and as always, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Managers in Major League Baseball, when you keep whining and bitching and complaining that your favorite team's manager did this or didn't do this, you just, it's your cry out to the baseball community and the sports community and your declaration that you don't know shit about baseball. And it's unfortunate because I could sit here and bang this table a hundred times and tell you that a manager in Major League Baseball doesn't make anywhere near the amount of decisions that you blame them for and you're still not going to understand. You look stupid. You're embarrassing yourself. Maybe you should stop doing that. Spoke about the Jets and the fact that Adam Gase probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And if he ends up lasting this season, 
He might be the Jets coach slash de facto general manager for a long time. Adam Gase released Le'Veon Bell. Not Joe Douglas. Not Chris Johnson. It's a sign of the power that he has over this organization. So when you think it's going to be a matter of time before he gets fired as a head coach of the New York football Jets, all I'll tell you is I wouldn't make that such a guarantee. We know about the amount of baseball Hall of Famers we lost in the year of 2020, the most in any calendar year since 1972. We'll be back with you next week. Like I said, you can catch the show on Spotify and Amazon Music now, in addition to iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud. Like I said, just type in Passball Show on the Internet, and a bunch of different options are going to come up for you. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.